fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode number 45. And before we get to this week's very funny and talented guest, I want to remind you if you're watching me on YouTube right now and you would prefer audio only, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, many other places like that. Uh, opposite to that, however, though, if you're listening to me right now and you didn't even realize there was a visual side to this thing, then I encourage you to please come check it out on YouTube. However you choose to enjoy the episode, though, if you could please subscribe, like, follow, share, whatever the case is on the platform that you're using, it really helps me to keep growing the show and reaching more people like you. So if you've already supported the show or subscribed, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. Uh, finally, if you want to reach out to me, maybe you've got a cool guest idea or just some general feedback about the show, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now for this week's guest, as I mentioned, a very funny guy. I got to sit down and talk with David Brennan, a comedian, actor, storyteller. He's had a very unique and interesting career. Um, we spoke about a really cool event that's coming up that he's going to be a part of with a killer lineup. We got to talk about some of the very uh, interesting and exploratory performances he's done over the last few years, as well as the 12 years he spent being part of a sketch comedy troupe called The Imponderables. So uh, I really think you're going to love this chat as much as I did. And uh, thanks for checking it out thanks uh well first of all thank you so much for uh taking the time to talk with me thank you for having me um i uh we'd sort of been meaning to to, to connect and i i sort of uh, reached out to you so thanks for you know having no, me you're on. someone that i've followed on social media for quite some time and you're, you're always doing interesting stuff and you're very funny dude so I'm, I'm really happy to be able to you know pick your brain for a bit thanks man i was watching you this morning with uh you just did simone's show simone holder yeah, yeah. Last night we did that. Yeah, yeah, I was watching it this morning, man. It was really great. You guys are really connected. It was cool. Every time we've done a podcast so far, I think it's it's clocked in somewhere around two hours. She's so easy to talk to. <laughs> just like going and go. It just flies, though. It's good. Yeah, yeah. We always go off on wild tangents. And I was telling her that's kind of my favorite type of podcast when you just sit down with a friend and, and mm -hmm. kind of shoot the shit, you know? Yeah, um, man. I want to talk, first of all, to you about the new thing that's coming up that you have on April 9th, I believe. Yes. Uh, Crack Up Comedy Festival, which uh, this is an online thing, right? Yes, this year uh, online for they're doing two things. One is the Friday, the April 9th that I'm a part of. It's called Tete a Tete. It's a game show. Oh, then, okay. because I've heard the term like a tete a tete many times. But yeah. normally it means like a one on one conversation, right? I guess. Yeah, I guess. I looked right. up yeah, the definition like, last night. Yeah, yeah. it said like a, a conversation, like a, meet, a meeting of the minds. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a game yeah. show in, in this. Uh... Yeah. Really competitive. How does it um, work? It's, it's the comedian's team. It's kind of like Family Feud. So it's the comedian's team playing against the team from Care For, which is the, uh, the cause this year, the organization. And they do uh, in-house programs for uh, dementia patients That's and all awesome. kinds of amazing stuff in the community. So we'll be working with, uh, sorry, against the, uh, the Care For team uh, representative of that, that company. Yeah. And right then on. the next night they're doing on the 10th, like a, a Zoomathon, Jerry Lewis style comedy marathon. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. But the thing I'm on, uh, yeah, is on Friday and it's hosted by Colin Mockery and uh, Patrick McKenna's on it, Jessica oh, like, Holmes. Yeah. A ton of heavy hitters. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy hitters. Jen Candy's there. Yeah. 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 There's somebody else. Oh, and John Wing, too. It's a crazy Amazing. Lineup. Amazing. 
Amazing. I'm really, uh, I'm really happy to be included. I've uh, done some stuff with John Helmke, the festival uh, organizer, the, the director of the festival. And because uh, he does some stuff for like uh, corporates, like CRA and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, he asked me and I'm so happy. But again, you also get like, really? You don't think I'm someone else? <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> Little imposter syndrome. Yeah. How could you not? I mean, look well, at this lineup. <laughs> and Patrick McKenna, I haven't heard of him in years. I, I was yeah. like, wait a minute. That's the dude from Red Green Show. Absolutely. Uh, Harold. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then with the, the crazy like uh, digital thing wow. he had there. And then traders after that. So he's oh, got traders. like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. You know, you've had like an amazing long career, eh? When you have like pockets of fans who are like, oh, the traders guy. And then they don't know red green or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I'm from Hamilton and they used to shoot. They used to record the red green show in my hometown oh, at no. the studios at the local television station, CHCH. So I was in middle school and I would go, I think I went twice to a red green taping with Steve Smith and Patrick McKenna nice. and you'd go and they'd shoot the possum lodge was all set up and you'd like be in the sort of bleachers. And it was great. It was amazing. I actually reached out to Steve Smith um, when I started doing this show, but back then I was trying to do only in-person interviews. So now I feel like God. I should reach out for a zoom interview. Maybe I could land that. I'm sure you do it. Yeah. I've never met him. Um, his sons both went to the same high school as me, Westdale in Hamilton. I think that's who um, I was conversing with. One of his oh, really? sons. Yeah. yeah. When, when I reached out, they were the, the email, the person that handled the emails for him. Yeah. But no, I mean, I'd watch that, man. I don't think I've seen an interview with him in a long time. So well, he's got to be, be getting cool. up there in years, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's in his seventies, I'd say probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully he's oh. still healthy and happy. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, well, man, that's cool that this is for such a great cause and, and yeah. The lineup. Yeah. It's just insane. So I wish you the best with that, man. Thanks. Thanks so much. I'll try to check it out. Actually. Yeah. It's, it's like 20 bucks a ticket, I think. Right. Yeah. I think it's uh, like a by donation. Um, oh, okay. But the uh, the link is all up. It's uh, crackup.ca. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's pretty easy. I've got a few people uh, from my, I posted about it yesterday and, and people like, I got my ticket. I got my ticket. It's like, that's amazing. Nice. That's like, at least, you know, like some of the social media stuff works. If like some people like <laughs> just book a ticket, you're like, oh, thank God. Like, yeah, sometimes I know. feel like if you uh, if you don't pay to promote your stuff, then they bury yeah. your posts specifically to be yeah. like, oh, you're not going to pay us to, you're not going to pay Facebook. Well, fuck you then. You know, I, that's happened to me. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like just comedy shows being like directed to you as a comedian. You're like, yeah, I already know about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the funniest thing about doing comedy. I find is uh, with Facebook is like you, you notice immediately you'll find someone and it's like 78 mutual friends. <laughs> that happens okay. all the time. And um, then they invite you to like their page and you've like never met them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've stopped accepting random requests. Me too. I find there's Me a too. lot of that. Like if I've met you at a show or something cool, but people who like, or even if I haven't met you, but at least send an accompanying message of like, Hey, I'm so-and-so like when someone just sends you a blank request, like, why would I accept that? I've got pictures of yeah. my family, you know, it's a semi-private sort of thing, you know, would you like to like the incel comedy hour homepage? And it's like, no, thank you. I'll pass. I don't know you. <laughs> Oh, man. It's always something like that. <laughs> Have you been performing since you were a little kid then? You've just had the bug since you were a youngin? I started doing stand-up when I was 17. Oh, wow. Yuck, yucks. Yeah. Damn. So I got a pretty early start and was doing like a bit of theater stuff a couple years before that. So, yeah, I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit like kind of old at this, but I've had some weird sort of detours in my 
career. But yeah, I did. Uh, I got an early start at uh, 17 at Yuck Yucks Hamilton in the basement of the Royal Connaught. And it was like, <sighs> there was like still smoke at that time. <laughs> and I was like a kid, like my parents had to call and see if it was okay. Yeah. And, because like, you know, they're serving alcohol and stuff. Oh remember. yeah. It's is a it nightclub. Legal? It's legal to do or not? It was like, we called and they were like, yeah, sure. I don't think technically you're supposed to be in there. Yeah, uh, probably some bylaw or something. Yeah. After an hour, like, you know, like, or like when a restaurant becomes a bar or something like, but it was okay. And yeah. And then I quickly kind of got into doing stuff in Toronto and then moved there and yeah, kind of went away from there. But yeah, I was a, like a cocky, like skinny 17 year old being like, that's great though I, to start that. I loved it. I loved it. I, I Seth Rogen did a lot of that when he was really yeah, young too. Yeah. yeah. Out of uh, Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. You can see footage of him. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm definitely like part of a great uh, crew of like people that got that early start. Whereas I think sometimes I think the next age is like maybe like 21, 22 um, people in college university finding mm-hmm. out about a comedy club. I was really lucky in Hamilton. I had access to like theater school and like a comedy club right off the bat. That's awesome. It's a, like a great kind of mid-sized smallish but you also decided to take that step because you know like i knew i was into comedy my whole life but it never really dawned on me that i could try it until i got divorced in my late 20s and then i was just kind of like whatever a star a star is born yeah (laughs) well you know um, from divorce court right to the first open mic and they're like all right let's fire this thing (laughs) (laughs) well turmoil definitely fuels uh you know passion for for pursuing things i find you know when you go through something rough it kind of reinvigorates your spirit a little bit to be like, you know, I don't know. I, I just, it's something that I've talked about before on the show that when you go through something, uh, it can either break you or, or help propel you, you know? Well put. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Well, so let's go back in time a bit because I know you're, you were a member of the imponderables who I, I knew this already, but last night I did like some real research and watching a bunch of skits and stuff. And I was laughing sweet. my ass off, man. Like oh, sweet. the, the funniest skits that really, the sketches that made me laugh so hard were like, um, there was one called Mushmouth. It was like yeah. this retro commercial for a weird ass party game where like you have to roll the dice to see how many fingers people are going to shove in your mouth. And then you got to try and, you know, relate the word to the other people at the party, um, yeah. which especially during COVID, was hard to watch. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, man. <laughs> and and I, th- I thought I spotted Lauren Ash from Superstore in there, which is pretty crazy, too, because she's yeah. huge now. And Aurora Brown from Baroness Von Sketch. Oh, yeah, that's right. Is the other party member all dressed up like I, we were going for like real swingers. 70s put the, the keys in the bowl kind of thing totally key party thank you yeah. yeah 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 key party for sure um yeah we that was sort of like we started as a live group and and was doing stuff at second city uh and then like youtube happened and we were like holy shit like let's fucking get on this and yeah. we were lucky we worked with a great guy named matt who's who directed that stuff and and we would be like yeah we want like a retro feel for this and uh, the other, uh, member, Eric, uh, his brother-in-law was a musician. He recorded the song. Like it's, uh, it's like that great kind of grassroots feel of like, yeah. like borrow and steal and, and try to get this on that sketch. Actually, I remember got on, there used to be a show on like the G4 network or something. This is like so long ago now it was called attack of the show, but Olivia yeah, Munn was that. the host and Olivia Munn, like they actually made like their own mushmouth game and we're playing it and then through to the video which was amazing That's hilarious yeah yeah oh man yeah sketch stuff is so great i feel like um it's i don't want to say it's dead but i feel like back around the early 2000s there was still 
a lot more of that sketch comedy vibe that was carrying over from the 90s and the 80s. And nowadays, I mean, maybe I'm just oblivious, but it doesn't seem to have as strong of a presence in the comedy yeah. world. I don't know. And it makes me sad. I mean, there's Tallboys and, and Baroness yep. on Sketch, and yep. it seems to be like CBC is the one really trying to keep it alive. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's SNL still, but there's no Mad TV anymore. And there used to be The State and a bunch of other like it was really big yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it fluctuates, but I'm really wondering about where it's going now. It's the same kind of thing. Like, there's no real bands anymore. Like, no new bands, not too many. Oh, there's some, but I know what you mean. There's yeah. some, but you know what I mean? Like, making music on your own is so the prevalent thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would say, like, we were... So, we were active from, like, 2000 to 2012, like, sort of, like, 12 years. Okay. But I would say, like, like, we were a touring sketch group. Like, we would... Yeah, you like JFL and JFL, Second yeah. City, the States. So yeah, I would say like in the past few years, I don't know too many groups who are kind of doing that just because videos making like content is like kind of where it's at. But um, I would say, yeah, to really get the pulse, I would probably like see what's going on at Comedy Bar in Toronto in terms of like troops and stuff and Sketcher Sins and Sunday Night Live. And, and that's still a great thing that's going on. But, but yeah, it makes a resurgence. I think it probably will. Yeah. It's uh, like we had kind of like obviously the kids in the hall as heroes and the frantics before that. And so uh, by the time we got our act together in Hamilton, went on the road, moved to Toronto, there was like already like some sketch infrastructure there, like the Rivoli and uh, there's a place called Clinton's that had sketch on like Sunday nights and uh, all these kind of great old kind of venues and stuff. But, uh, but Yeah. Uh, the troop, we, it was always kind of the goal was like to get a TV show because that's where I think sketch ultimately it's the best platform for it. Yeah. yeah. Cause we love performing live and we had a, a, a pretty killer live show. Uh, but then you're dreaming these scenes and cuts and like, uh, you know, like you grew up watching the kids in the hall or, you know, and you want to yeah, do yeah. that. So, uh, so yeah, we had some adventures in TV land and like LA and stuff, and then got to do like a web series called Bill and Sons Towing. I was going to bring that up. I started oh, that last night and I really, really enjoyed it. I, I Thanks, think I man. watched, I watched the finale, uh, mm-hmm. first because that was just the first one that came up on the Facebook page. But then I went back and watched the first episode ever. And now I'm like hooked. I really love the characters oh, and the chemistry. You guys obviously have worked together for a long time because you, you do have that brother vibe, you know? Yeah. And uh, all the characters I've seen so far are really engaging. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Yeah. Only uh, like seven minutes. So it, it makes you mm-hmm. want to watch the next one right away because you're like, yeah, I can watch it. I can watch another one. Yeah, we were we were so lucky. The show creators, uh, Mark DeAngelis, he's gone on to do like Odd Squad and he won like a BAFTA. And he's won nice. like a daytime Emmy. He's doing amazing stuff. And uh, Charles Ketchabaugh, they wanted to do something with the troupe for a long time. And there's this thing, it's called the Independent Production Fund. And essentially it was like a budget. Uh, so it was like we get a pro crew, we could get people like Nicholas Campbell, like from Da Vinci's inquest to be our dad. And he was like, yes. And we were like, really? <laughs> or like Sonia Smith's from traders, Jane Eastwood, all these great guest stars. But yeah. And then we shot it like an episode a day in this old rust proofing shop, which was the, the tow truck central. Sorry for anyone who's like watching bill and sons is about four brothers who have the same dad, but they have four different moms and they run a floundering, tow truck company oh they have four different moms i didn't know that i thought it yeah. was just the one guy who's got a slightly like more tanned complexion i thought maybe he tony was, yeah yeah he's italian um well we find out what happened to tony's mom so that's that's the kind of also the funny thing is like yeah so we have four we have four great 
amazing actresses, each playing our different That's moms. Hilarious. Yeah, I didn't get that far <laughs> into it. Man, that just makes me want to watch it even more. Well, yeah. And the thing with the joke was we have to like treat it seriously. We're like, yeah, like Bill moved on from woman to woman and it's an unusual situation. And yeah, we all work together. Well, and he's not in the best health, right? That's the other yeah. thing that kind of kicks everything. No. Off. The one brother has come back from like a, an accounting job or something in yep. a bigger, um, more official, you know, probably a better paying job yeah. <laughs> only to be like teased by his cooler brothers right from the get go. Yeah. And, and it was flexible as hell. Um, so Nicholas Campbell had in real life suffered a stroke before we were oh. set to shoot. So we like wrote it in, they wrote it into the show. That's crazy. And it all worked like crazy. And, uh, you know, it's kind of been well-documented, but Nicholas Campbell had like trouble with taxes, like the CRA. And there was a big McLean's article back in the day about it. And so we like kind of wrote that into the show. Like yeah, he was burning like, files. He's burning the old <laughs> files. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so cool. yeah. Thanks for checking that out. That's so funny. You mentioned, I was thinking about that episode. So I, I think you probably know, uh, for your audience, we, uh, we, a bunch of us cleaned out the old yuck yucks on Elgin. Yes. Yes. Week. I wanted to go, but I was doing Kyle's best actress podcast that day. Oh, sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Um, I love that podcast. That was great. Yeah. I listened uh, to your episode as well. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I was prepping. I wanted to, you know, get the vibe of the show before I was a guest on it. So I listened to yours yeah. and, uh, the one with Fiona O'Brien and it, it's yeah. really what I told Kyle that that was really cool. Sorry to go off on a tangent here, but, no, no, no. um, what I liked about his show was that, uh, even when I listened to your episodes and it was movies that I hadn't seen, it didn't really take away from the podcast at all. Like you, it, it was still super enjoyable, even though I didn't watch the film myself in that case, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, same. I found the same thing. Uh, and then there was when I listened back to a few for to kind of prepare for it, I was like writing down movies I wanted to see as well. Like, like might as well just take a shot at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll have to listen to your episode. Yeah. yeah I wanna, we did, I'll, I'll uh, do that. The, the big one that I was super excited about was Aliens was uh, yes. Bernie Weaver was was nominated. So that was really cool. But um, getting back to what you were saying about helping move stuff. out oh. of uh, Elgin Yuck Yucks. Oh, so it was Wardy LaPan and I who got uh, the office duty. So we were upstairs in like Howard's office, Howard <laughs> Wagman, the owner. And there was just like binders of like files and shit like that. And he's like, whatever. Like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we were like, what do you want us to throw out? Well, at a certain point we, we moved to this like huge printer down the stairs and like, we're like, we can't go back up there. Like you have to tell us what's good and what's not. And he was like, okay, this and that, but it was great. I found like, there's a box of old headshots like all these eighties, nineties, yucks comics that I got to see, like when I was a teenager and them in their like prime. And then like, Oh, it was That's a so treasure cool. chest, man. I, I love that stuff. I'm such a comedy nerd in that way. Like it was amazing. That's or, awesome. or, you know, and like some of these like comics, they're like, they're, they're dead. Like they passed on and you're like, Holy shit. I totally forgot about that guy. Like, oh, and, 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 you know, not these, these guys, a lot of them, not necessarily, uh, remembered in like a comedy now or a comics on CBC back in the day, like some of them were just like live performers and, and okay. they were like famous in Toronto or like these really small kind yeah, of scenes. So and they kind of get know. lost in the mix over time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Crazy. So, yeah, but that was, that was a cool adventure. Actually so many comics showed up and it was, it was done in no time. It was really fun actually. Yeah. yeah I'm excited to see where they're going to like, where their new location will be. I know yeah. they're doing the temporary thing at Dow's Lake right now, but uh, Lago, Lago. Yeah, that looks like a good spot too. I haven't been there myself, but that looks like a great room. It's got, uh, they fixed like some of the lighting I found I hosted last Thursday and, uh, I talked to an empty chair and no one told me the oh, reflection of uh, the glass was so 
drunk. The guy went to the bathroom and then his friends like, let me keep asking the question. And I, I was like, like remember Clint Eastwood was talking to that chair on stage. Yeah, it was yeah. like the Republican. <laughs> I was like him at the convention. I was like you. And then you have to look like do this. Oh, the to glass see is if, weird. Um, but yeah, it works. I like to joke that it's got like a dirty dancing vibe, like all the, all the weddings and all the dirty dancing that's going on at Lago. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, we were so lucky though, because, um, I was lucky enough to be included. There was a just for laughs recording over two nights that happened, uh, myself and a bunch of other comics in Ottawa for an album. Yeah. And it was going to be at yuck yucks. And then they got the situation with the bar hoolies and then they were set up at Dow's like within like a day and a half. And nice. so we still got to do the taping, which was amazing. It was kind yeah, of magical. Was a great lineup too. Yeah. Yeah. It was so much fun. Um, and really amazing that, uh, they came to town, the just for laugh circus, uh, in COVID. Yeah. During the pandemic, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. And then the club like closed and then it opened a pop-up club. Like we were so grateful. That was like, the kind of the story of performing like the past year. And I've been lucky enough to be pretty busy during each reopen. Yeah, you're always still out there for sure. I see so doing point. stuff and, and like you mark it on the calendar in pencil and you're like, I don't know, but there's been <laughs> so many times where like, are we locked down? Are we not like yeah. hosting absolute too? like, it was always something. So it's this very, uh, it's stressful, but it's kind of exciting. Well, and even uh, when you do get stage time, it's, it's this reduced capacity too, which yeah. like, I don't perform nearly as regularly as you, but I, I think I've done like two sets during COVID times right. where things reopened back a bit and I, I got into a competition or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a weird feel, you know, yeah. it never really feels like that full boisterous laughter. And maybe that's just me not being funny enough, but um, <laughs> you know, compared to like a packed Friday night, the way it was before, yeah, you could, you could be probably mediocre and still get pretty good laughs because of a bunch of drunk people on a Friday night, you know? Absolutely. Um, but I think the, I tried to put all that behind me. I think like early on, I was like, I don't even want to look at like old clips of mine or something from like a packed abs or a yaks. I think it's yeah. just like, you have to like Wrestling. focus on what you got now. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep with the times. Yeah. You know, and I would say like, I've been lucky. I've been on some good shows and, and uh, maybe like 10% or shows are like, woo, like, what are we doing this for? Yeah. But like some are just been amazing. Like King, some nights in Kingston, that absolute 50 people. I swear I sounded like a hundred, some nights in Ottawa. People need um, to laugh right now, I guess. That's what it comes they're down They're so to. grateful, man. They're yeah. so, they're like, thank you. <laughs> you and you know what it is? Depression from the last three weeks or three months or, yeah. People are amazing. Like if you're anywhere near the door when people are coming out, you know, some comics like to like be by the door, right? Yeah. Just to make hey, sure. Like, great yeah, yeah. Like, uh, thanks. Oh, thanks for coming out, guys. Um, but no, I would say there's a huge difference. Way more just gratitude. Yeah. What, what, what do you, how you feel about the plexiglass? You commented on that. I, I think that's a little weird personally, but yeah, it's funny. Eh? Like, <laughs> I honestly got... prefer it in a way because like, I don't, I, I'm not at that point where I do a lot of crowd work. I honestly yeah. think I'd be good at it because I do this show and I don't have a trouble yeah, yeah. talking to people, but it's yeah. just like taking that plunge. I hosted once for Ed the Sock and I did a bit of that, but um, it's one of those things I've never really pursued yet. So um, because I don't do that, I don't find that the plexiglass, if anything, it's kind of nice. I can't really see anybody. So I just yeah. kind of do my thing and, and I'm not yep. aware of really people staring or, or looking at you yeah. or whatever. Or like you see someone, but they're like talking like this high above the audience's heads. And they're yeah. just like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's TV. Yeah, that's so yeah, true. It's, it's super challenging. To be honest, like, yeah, the last time I was at the Lago Yaks, uh, sorry, second to last time, I found it really hard to do crowd work just because I couldn't see. It was like 
pitch black, yeah. but, uh, other venues and stuff. And they've, again, it's gotten better. Um, it's been fun. I love, I love talking to people. The last night I hosted was we, we were going to go into red zone, but the old red zone rules. So there couldn't be shows. And there was like a real feeling of like, not like anarchy in the air, but like the audience of like fed up, like people were fed up. So I was trying to like, as hosting, like tap into that. I was, I kept calling it like it's red zone Eve and everyone tonight has to like put up your red sock by the fireplace <laughs> and then saying COVID is going to come just shit like that. And people were, were, were digging it. Nice. Um, but yeah, crowds, I find the crowds coming out there younger right now, twenties, maybe early thirties, forties and fifties aren't, I'm not seeing them in the clubs right now. Well, the past I mean, year. I guess they're more they're not coming out apprehensive yeah. about the, you know, medical yeah. risks. Uh, but mostly like people got a date, man. They're on dates. People are on dates. They, there's nowhere to go on a date anymore. So comedy club, comedy show. Oh shit. Yeah. So yeah. doing crowd work on that is pretty funny. And people are like in their bubbles and it's kind of fun trying to figure out who's with who, like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Stupid awesome. shit like that. But it's been fascinating for sure. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, I don't know if you talked to other similar people, like, I'm sure there's people who are like, what are you doing shows for? Like, like mm. it's, it's very difficult because I, I want, I need stand up to survive for myself and for, you know, so what, what can you do, but try to help and, and follow the guidelines. clubs open. Yeah, yeah. Follow the guidelines. We're allowed to do it. Um, but oh, yeah, you get for like sure. people hating on you for it sometimes. No, I just feel like you. they are in their heads. <laughs> well, there probably are some for sure. I, I mean, when you look at this whole situation. There's people, it's a wide spectrum of how people feel about everything regarding COVID yeah. and all that shit. Like, uh, like I was telling Simone right at the end of our chat last night, I got my first vaccine shot um, nice. because I work at the hospital. So I had the opportunity and I was like, hey, you know, my fiance had already gotten fully vaccinated, both doses. Uh, she's a nurse and you know, she's fine. She didn't mutate into some weird creature yeah. or her teeth didn't yeah. fall out or any weird shit. So um, I don't think we're microchipped. I think that's a little bit no. crazy. Well, I mean, like the people who say that it's so bizarre to me that you would think Bill Gates wants to microchip you while you're <laughs> carrying your phone around that tells people where you are like and all your social media. It's like all that information's there already and you chose to give it up and now you're worried someone's going to black mirror you. Like, yeah. I don't know. They don't want any, they don't want to put anything in your body. They don't want anything to do with your body. It's gross to them. They don't want to chip you. <laughs> no. Well, and that's the other argument. People will be like, I'm not putting that vaccine in my body. Who knows what chemicals are in it while they chug Mountain Dew Code Red and fucking <laughs> spicy hot Cheetos or whatever, you know, the friggin' internet warriors. Um, I get it. It feels like yeah. it came out quickly, you know, but sure. um, luckily my parents, they both have masters in biology and my dad is always reading all the scientific stuff that comes out. Um, so, you know, because it's easy when you, when you don't know that stuff, it's, you, you don't know who to believe. You don't know, yeah. you can't deduce the facts if you're not a scientist, you don't know all the, you know, technical mumbo jumbo around it. So I like having my dad there where I can, trust fairly well that when he reads these papers, he actually understands, you know, the science behind it. So that's comforting for me. And that's one of the reasons I guess I, I wasn't afraid to get the vaccine. I don't know, but, but sorry, the, the awesome. larger point of bringing up the vaccine no, no. is just that uh, I didn't post about it on Facebook. Cause I felt like it would just be this dividing thing. And, and I'd get some commenter like, you know, right. Wait, right. wait, uh, you know, sign your, your brain up to the government or whatever the fucking stupid conspiracy is, you know? Right. 
then you have to hop on and be like, well, my dad says, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah. <laughs> be like, Who's your, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Even talking about this now, I may get someone watching this episode and they'll be like, oh, he's one of them. You know, <laughs> I don't want to get COVID. I don't know. It seemed like a good idea. It sounds pretty reasonable to me, man. <laughs> like I definitely had and, and fear about great. it too, though. I like, you know, I'm somewhat of a hypochondriac and I got like, I got a little nervous cause yeah, it did roll, roll out pretty quickly. And it's easy to get swept up in that paranoia and this, the hysteria that people put out there. And, uh, you know, yeah. I try to believe science is on our side as opposed to, you yeah. know, evil and trying to get us yeah. all. But, but then you go on Twitter for like 10 minutes and your brain gets all twisted back and you're like, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, because <laughs> you know what, there's a fair, like, Fair reasoning to some degree behind people's paranoia and, and these conspiracy theorists, because when you go back in history, there are so many things that turned out to be crazy fucked up and we didn't find out till like 30 years later. And you go like, OK, well, there's always the chance that we're in one of those right now. And 30 years from now, people are going to look oh back. Like, hey, why'd they put asbestos in the walls? Like that kind of shit, you know, like times change, new things yeah. get discovered. Yeah, I understand it. But I also don't want to live my life in fear. You know what I mean? No, like, no that you're living in the next aspect. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Like you can't just go around being terrified of everything. And, and those things do happen. Sometimes truths do get uncovered, but you know, you still got to draw a line in the sand somewhere and say, no, I refuse to just get on board with the, the, the hype. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, would you get it? Would you get it? If someone came up to you right now, Hey, here's the vaccine. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Not like a guy in the street. Like (laughs) 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 actually heroin. Like, the oh. black market vaccine oh, right. uh for sure yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to uh I, yeah that sort of mass of you know immunity or whatever um yeah uh, i can't wait to get back to you know audiences and regular and life and stuff. Yeah, concerts and, and shit yeah. yeah 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 um okay well i don't want to forget uh, i had a couple other things about the imponderables um there were a few other sketches i just loved mm. the violator with the little lego mans i thought was hilarious <laughs> because the whole time you're waiting mm-hmm. for the ride to start and then you're like oh yeah you remember the name of the skit and you're like that that's the ride um i feel like i should explain that because now yeah, I'll, we link, to... I'll link the video but it's these two little lego guys oh, sure, sure. to uh like a amusement ride to get on the roller coaster yeah. and the dude who normally tucks you in and makes sure you're all safe just starts like fondling them <laughs> and then she's like okay they're ready to go and then that's it and they get off that was the ride that was it. Um, yeah we used to do that live a lot that sketch and oh john, really you did like a john in the group would come in and he john's got like more like of a blue collar feel to him um hamilton guy and so he was just like in the vast to be like all right well on, guys just want to check the bar like it was all in how serious he was <laughs> and then he starts sort of touching us everywhere. And, you know, some audiences didn't like that, but, uh, <laughs> well, might be triggering, I suppose to certain people. Yeah. 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 But we thought it was funny. That was the thing. Like it was the four of us, you know, in the van, uh, you know, on, in the bus, like the best years were the early ones where you're together so much and riffing. And, uh, you know, my, my thing is, I think sketch comedy belongs to people in their twenties. Right. Uh, fewer life attachments. You can yeah. hang out all night. You're drinking. You're, you know, it's, it's and then it's really yeah. stupid shit. Like, like music, right? And then if a sketch is born out of hanging out, like riffing, it's like music. Like everyone feels like they had a baseline in that sketch or, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a piece of that. And it becomes a lot easier to get that to the stage because everyone is behind it. Yeah. 
sometimes we would do in the troop like more of like a monty python approach where it would be like here i'm coming in with like my like here's your script and yeah, here yeah. you're playing this part and you do like a table read yeah and that works too um but yeah i think a lot of times the sketches that had the best chemistry were born out of 2 a.m off the there yeah. at the airport waiting for a flight or you know stuff like that but well uh, it really yeah. helps you guys were obviously like really tight you can tell and i think that just the chemistry again is what really helped yeah. you guys have such funny skids yeah and then so yeah so when youtube started like the violator video or uh our other kind of favorite one was called it's called the waldo ultimatum yeah i was gonna bring that up yeah. yeah so it's where's waldo but he's jason Bourne. um that was like we never did that one live that was like a film treatment but other stuff like the violator like it was like how to take this live sketch and adapt it best to video like using lego man instead of just like Oh, here we are on location somewhere. It's tricky, you know? Well, yeah, because um, it's not that easy to be yeah. like, hey, we need a, a roller coaster for this season. Right, right. Like, <laughs> so how are you going to do that? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. I remember writing a couple skits back in the day and, and even like a convenience store. I'm like, I don't know someone that's going to let me film in their convenience store. Like, it's a lot mm -hmm. harder than, than people think when you to take a conceptualized idea and then actually make it into reality, you know? So much work. I, I, you know, you got to pay absolutely. people. I've produced like two videos for my solo shows in the past, like two or three years. Yeah. And both of them took six, seven months of planning easy. Wow. And that's not even just scripting. That's like location. Like, when are we doing this? Like start to finish kind of wow. execution because you're, you're doing it either for cheap money or no money. And you just want it. Like, it's like uh, dropping like a Navy seal, like you're dropping in and like, I go back home to Hamilton to shoot with my like directing partner, uh, Peter Ridhoff. And uh, like, he's a professional. I don't want to waste his time. And, and yeah. And that's the last one was for like a, a video. That's a minute long. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but some of the is like that too. Yeah. Some of the imponderable stuff might've been a little quicker to throw together. Some of them I would like, uh, yeah. I really like the parking ticket. That one seemed like yeah. pretty, yeah. that one was yeah. fucking hilarious. That one I was laughing hysterically because it's just, it's just one of those things that goes on for so long. And it's ridiculous. It's, again, I feel like I should describe it a little bit, but you, you're getting a ticket from, you know, a bylaw officer or whatever. And then you realize you went to the same fraternity and they start doing one of those secret handshakes, but it just keeps going and going and yeah. going. And then eventually yeah. there's like, a slight difference in the end and you realize it was actually he went to uh to university with the guy's brother instead and yeah i'm kind of butchering these but no 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 it's great when yeah. we would do it live uh i can't remember if, if is the the dummy in the video probably yeah 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 there's <laughs> so we have a dummy dressed up like the bylaw officer and then that would get thrown out on stage but like it was kind of an ode to like you know it's like a like muppet show kind of thing and like yeah i would then twist him up and then if like the theater had like a piano or something, a couple of times I was able to get that dummy up, land on the piano and we'd be like, boom, boom. And that's another <laughs> laugh. We were doing that sketch one time outside Toronto city hall for like Winterfest, And they had a, a ceiling fan whipping around the outdoor tent. And I got the dummy up and its head went right up. Perfect. Like in the blades and went, won't won't. And the fucking thing swung and landed on a table. Like Amazing. it was genius, like very kind of, chaotic but uh we, we we had a lot of fun and then yeah so and then it's like to let's take that big physical number uh and do it on the street like on set like where it's kind of supposed to be we yeah. actually did that sketch too just for laughs once yeah at our we did a just for laughs gala and we did that at the saint denis theater in front of like 1800 people 
Is this Pretty the nuts. same? Um, that is insane. Is this the same uh, gala where you guys came dressed in mariachi outfits for the that's panel? Right. Yeah. I saw a picture yeah. of you guys with like Garfunkel and Oates and, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Peretti yeah. and um, I just thought that was yeah, hilarious. We were, thanks. Yeah, we were part of it was the variety 10 comics to watch, which was like a pretty crazy deal to get included in that. If you look at the list, it's all like heavy hitters who were just on the cusp, like Chelsea Peretti's on there yeah, yeah. and uh, a whole bunch of Chris other Gethard. Uh, yeah. Yep. I, I always want to say uh, get hard. hard. Yeah. It looks like that when you read his name. Yeah. So it's get hard. Yeah. But, get yeah. Hard. So yeah, uh, we were, I think the only Canadians that year. So that was a pretty, pretty cool deal. But yeah, we rented these mariachi outfits <laughs> just for the hell of it. Yeah. That's hilarious. I don't know if we do that right now. That was like, 11 years ago, I think <laughs> it's maybe not the best look, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a great time and yeah, we got to do our, our gala. We did like three, four of our sketches. Uh, and then when you do that part of the festival, we also did like a more of a, like a sketch show underground kind of thing. And you do a couple okay. club spots. It was easily the most insane and kind of crazy. It sounds like a blast. We, week we or two of our lives and we got signed to a tv deal by mtv like when we were there oh shit the second time uh yeah and that sort of started this whole other crazy ride but is that show uh, like available to watch the mtv no thing? oh no it's, it's a pilot um, oh shit didn't get picked and up didn't get picked up it got it like tested and everything yeah and then uh jersey shore started and Whoa. mtv like got new leadership and then they totally were like, oh my God, this is the future. Whereas it was popular, the, but I hated fucking Jersey Oh, it's Shore. just oh. an insane other creature. MTV wanted to be the comedy channel that brought you like Beavis and Butthead again. Yeah, yeah. And so they were trying to build us and some other comedy shows like into a night or something. And then shit, shit happens. And, you know, I've been doing this like long enough where I've been on the great end of some bad luck streaks and some good luck. So uh, then the troops sort of wound down and I sort of did this whole other journalism thing for a while. But then I got back to stand up four years ago when I moved to Ottawa. And so then to like get asked onto the Just for Laughs recording here as a solo performer now was like amazing. That's a new milestone. Like, yeah. Like 11 years after doing a gala. Um, so cool. So, you know, and I went and it went awesome. And I feel like in a kind of like a cheesy way, but like the other three guys in the troop are like brothers. Right. I feel like I felt pressure to represent my troop. Well, as just me doing stand up, because it would reflect the, on them in a way. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Zoe, Zoe from just for laughs and Brent, like they know me that's from imponderables and stuff, but they've never seen me as a stand up solo. So uh, that, that meant a lot. Actually, it was kind of emotional. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I got a couple questions in relation to that then. So one sure. would be, do you prefer, like, this is very poignant now after you said that, do you prefer the solo performance or do you prefer as a troop? Like what would, if you had to pick kind of, what would be your preference? Yeah. It, it's more to do with, uh, where I was with life. I started as a solo performer. I did stand up at yucks and I, I was on the fast track at yuck yucks Toronto for a couple of years. And then like, I got passed by Mark Breslin but it was the same time as the troop was happening. And uh, the, the really, the way I looked at it back then and, and now is I knew the imponderables was going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity to work with these three other guys who we had this insane chemistry. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and you have to love them. You have to love them. No troop stays together 12 years, like almost ever. Uh, and I knew this would be the thing because as life happens, people get married, children are born and all that happened to the imponderables too. But we'd sort of been working so hard that it, we made it work. Yeah. Uh, I always figured I could go back to being a solo performer later on. I just didn't know it would look like Ottawa, which has been amazing to me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, sometimes I feel like, whoa, I really made some weird choices in my life and ended up where I am, but I wouldn't take any of that back, especially the years with the troupe. Uh, I did some stand up, like I never really stopped, uh, when I was doing sketch, but I definitely was doing it as like a more of a hobby. So in Toronto. So there's no real preference. It's more depending on where you're at in life at that point. I'm really happy to be back uh, doing this and sort of proving that I can do this on my own, you know, in a yeah, weird yeah. way. And I do a lot of uh, solo storytelling too. I did a couple shows like I did. A yeah, I'm show. definitely planning on asking you. Oh, about sure, those, sure. You know? uh, and boy, did I ever kind of get into that at the right time? Because then COVID happened and there yeah. is no live performing with a group right now yeah. there's not even music right so shit i mean you uh, guys could still do sketches per se um yeah you could still shoot stuff yeah um it's, but harder, it's yeah. a little harder yeah. yeah yeah so okay well then why did the group uh disband i think we we kind of run out of stuff to do or we'd hit the wall um the pilot in mtv in in los angeles did not get picked up and we came back to canada and uh pitched cbc comedy network uh got meetings never went anywhere and we figured mm -hmm. okay well now what uh and then thankfully this the web series came along and we got to do it's so funny we never thought it would be the show we would do because we thought we would do a show filled with sketches yeah and it turns out we did actually more of a web series sitcom but it's got like a linear narrative and stuff yeah it's got a linear narrative um and that was sort of created with us for us in a way uh eric from the imponderables wrote half the episodes with mark mm -hmm. uh but it was like sort of these other guys mark uh, d'angelis and charles ketchaba who created the show uh and that became like the beautiful victory lap slash, I don't know. It was amazing. And then, so then there was a year after season one and then we, we qualified for the independent production fund again. Oh, nice. We got to do a second season and sort of revisit and wrap up this stuff. So um, there will never be a third season, I guess. I don't think so. Never say never, I guess. Never say never. Well, because well, the last episode, he like has a heart attack again or something, right? They yeah, are getting we, high and, and hit, taking long <laughs> hits. <laughs> and then yeah. he just fucking drops. Yeah, we were smoking pot out of a gas mask for real. And, and a watermelon. Yeah, we, it was a real <laughs> pot all day too. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is was a little, like, again, like the crew is all, like it's all actor, it's all pro crew, but uh, we had such a cool team. And we purposely like shot the seasons in like January, like mid January when there's not a lot of production going on in Toronto, not a lot of other shows. So we got really great people. And then people like wanted to come back because it was like a clubhouse. We shot uh, in a real old rust proofing shop, like a garage. Yeah. And then it was attached to a house. And then the house was where we ate, where wardrobe was makeup. Oh, cool. And so it wasn't like a, we, had, we were on location, but it was also like kind of like a studio. It was so cool. Nice. Uh, small team, 
uh, but just amazing and amazing, like friends coming on for guest parts. And yeah, because yeah. it's basically all set in that shop, right? Are there any scenes that take place outside of there? Cause I have only we did a few that. exteriors. Yeah. We, we burned down a tow truck and, uh, we shoot some other stuff in the alleyway. It was okay. so cold. I still remember how cold it was. <laughs> but it's kind of like the earlier seasons of uh, Always Sunny, where most mm -hmm. of it was in the bar, and every once in a while they would have like a, yeah. you know, go to the pool yeah. or something like that. But yeah, absolutely. And then one day, I think we did a couple location changes, and that becomes, you know, uh, and again, shoestring budget. So you have to be very creative. Uh, yeah. But again, an amazing team who really believed in the project. And then, yeah, so we finished that. And that was kind of it uh, in a way I went back to school for like journalism and became like a reporter. Like I worked in news for a bit uh, and I kind of left comedy behind and then a uh, bunch of shit happened in Hamilton. And then I, I, we all lost our jobs at the news station. Ooh. And then I was like, I'm going back to stand up. I had like an epiphany and, and wanted to kind of regain control of my life and move to Ottawa. Not just stand up though, right? Like that's a, a good segue into some of the other projects you were doing because sure. they seem to have comedy elements, but it was also very sounded very theatrical. Some of these things yeah. you were doing. So the um, David Brennan exhumed. That's one I mm -hmm. wanted to know a little more about because I, I watched the preview trailer and and I read a bit about it, but without seeing the show, like I don't know much about. Yeah, you, know, you were like a grave digger, but but can you tell me more because I really wanted to know a little bit more context about the show. Sure. Uh, yeah, I play a grave digger and, uh, I was sort of working with this storytelling group in Hamilton and uh, we were like a collective and we would pick like a theme and do a monthly show. And, uh, everyone's doing kind of like personal storytelling, which no, no knock on that. It's great. I just think it takes up a lot of space in that world. And so I started doing like historical researched fucked up shit and, uh, Eventually I, I collected a few of these stories and I decided to make a show about them. Cause I realized that all the stories were about dead people. And I would go to like the McMaster university archives and dig in these old files, kind of trying to write this story or being kind of obsessed with it. And so I felt like I was sort of performing an exhumation. And so I ended up calling the show David Brennan exhumed and uh, the grave digger, kind of like tales of the crypt. Like he comes out and he introduces shit. And, um, it's a collection of real life horror stories. Uh, one is about the Franklin expedition, the fated, uh, uh, cannibalistic frozen nightmare. Oh, I thought that was uh, a honor party. No, that was a different one. one. They, yeah. Yeah. They, they, those poor fools were going West, I guess. I think for the Colorado gold rush. or something, I think. Yeah. 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 The Franklin expedition was the quest for the Northwest passage. Oh. Um, so I do that and I do a story about the origin of the Hardy boys author. And oh, okay. I do a unsolved murder in Toronto, a honeymoon murder, uh, stuff like this that. This has a comedy like angle to it still. Doesn't it sound hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You say historical, it could have been more of a, you know, I assumed with you, it had a comedy vibe to it as well. I think murder is hilarious. No, um, <laughs> the grave digger is, is our sort of host and he is, uh, it's scary, but it's funny. He's got, he's trying to lead you through this. Um, but some of the stories themselves, the pieces are straight up drama or physical, I call it physical horror comedy. Um, but he's always, the grave digger is always there to bring you back. Yeah. 
That must yeah, be so. an interesting thing to do. Like, I mean, I guess stand up is sort of the same. It's a solo thing for the most part, but yeah, doing a play on your own seems like so much more going on than just telling jokes, you know. And it sounds like it must, for like two, yeah, like yeah, you sorry. were on stage for a long time during those shows. They're pretty long. It's the it, it runs about fifty two minutes. Um, so wow, that blows my yeah. mind that you can just remember all that. Even I think the same thing with <laughs> comics that do an hour or whatever. Like I'm nowhere near that level of a, of a comedian, and it yeah. really still just blows my mind that people can store all that information and not fuck it up. You know? Uh, yeah, that show I worked on for two years before I wow. I premiered it well, at the Hamilton go. Hamilton Fringe in 2019, and wow. I workshopped a bit of it around town. I, I do work with the Ottawa storytellers, and okay. I would sort of. I actually did a kind of like a warm up show, but I never told people what it was. I called it something else. Mm. Uh, and I did it at a coffee shop in like Bywood Market in Ottawa, uh, mm. like the winter before. So, and that's because I'm a comic. Um, there was no way I was going to do the material in this fringe show for the first time at the fringe. No, yeah, that's for no. the best. Yeah. That's insane. So I would do these warm up shows and I recorded it and I made cuts to the script and, and, you know, would try to inhabit those characters more and more that I did it. That said, the first time you do it is still scary and exciting. And I was lucky I did 11 shows like wow. every night. Um, I picked like the little venue, uh, this beautiful little spot called the Staircase Theater in Hamilton, where they do a lot of improv and comedy and where the imponderable started out. And it was amazing hard work. I like lost weight. Uh, I wasn't sleeping because i came from ottawa I, you know i was like staying with my mom and you do your shows and you get reviewed so you're trying to pull clips and trying to do social media and then you wake up and like you want to be healthy and feeling good to do the hour-long show and man oh man uh but yeah everything worked out and I, I i won an award and and that's what you hope for from fringe right like you want to get some good reviews yeah. pull quotes and roll yeah, that yeah. in and if you can win an award then you could maybe the show could have a life after that festival Take it to Broadway or something. Straight to Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, well, I wanted to know, um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about the Imponderables, yeah. if there was um, a chance of a reunion in the future at all. I don't know. Probably not. Um, oh. Eric is, uh, he went like the writing and directing route and he's worked with everyone from like Ron James to uh, he's done some stuff for Just for Laughs. Um, Tony is a professional photographer uh, in Toronto and John is a stonemason in Hamilton. Oh, okay. So um, all like in new professions now for the most part, everyone's kind of doing their thing. Um, I don't know what that would look like. It would be so funny. I would be sure awesome. I thought about you it. You guys wrote yeah. some new skits and then did a bunch of classic ones. Yeah. It's kind of, even if it was a one-time thing, just got together and, and put on a show, you know? Yeah. Never say never. Right. Eh? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe not now, but maybe in a couple of years or something, who knows? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I want to know two things. One is if you have a preferred venue, like, do you prefer doing these huge theaters with a thousand plus people, or do you prefer smaller, more intimate situations? Well, hard to say, hey? like there's so much adrenaline that can come from a big crowd. Like I was lucky enough. I've, I've done a couple of big rock concert uh, hosting. It's called super crawl in Hamilton. Okay. So, and that's like, I've hosted the main stage from like noon to like the, the headliners done. So like I got to host for like broken social scene and oh, awesome. Bahamas and winter sleep. And, oh, I love Bahamas. Um, 
Betty Lavette, and there's some incredible stuff. I still can't believe it, but I sort of known the producers of that festival. They're the record label Sonic Onion. Um, and that's like tens of thousands of people or like I've done like Holy Canada shit. day, Canada day in, in Hamilton, same kind of thing at this insane park. And the feeling of the lights and the sound and that wash of human life, it's insane. And I don't know if, I mean, I wish people, everyone could experience it. It's just crazy. Uh, I'd be so nervous that I'd freeze up or just go blank or something. Oh man. Moment. And then like, I'm the MC, right. And like, on a couple of occasions, like we had like a lost child in the crowd. Oh shit. And so you're like, holy shit. And you're like coordinating with like police and stuff. And I really enjoy it. Um, hosting a big event like that is also like a stage managing job. Really? That's the part they don't tell you. You learn it quickly though. Yeah. It's like you have to be on top of everything. Cause even the festival people, sometimes they're not always there. They're getting pulled in a million directions. You know, there's a problem with porta potties or something. Mm. And you just can't be like, I need someone to tell me what to do shit always happens. Guests don't show up or, you know, bands need more time. And it, it's, it, I love it, but it's, it's kind of a, you gotta be super adaptable. Yeah. Super adaptable. So yeah, I've gotten to do stuff like that. I got to do this show called beautiful monsters at the national gallery of Canada. And we sold that out. And I was like with this big classical, like Baroque orchestra. And it was such a cool, crazy show, a mix of like me doing these monster stories. And then they play these bah, 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 like, and I'm like being some dragon or something and people are cheering. Like, that's crazy. On the other hand, small crowds, like even COVID crowds, like if you get 50 great audience members in a comedy club, all sitting in like a sweet little semicircle. And like, by the end, you've got storylines going, you remember people's names, what they're doing. You're calling back other comics on the show. You're hosting are calling back to these people. You're all like a cast by the end. That's yeah. an incredible evening. And that is like, 50 people or a small thing. It's so hard. So I think, yeah, you know what? My answer is I love it all. And so I try to do things that allows me to, to do both small crowds, insane, massive crowds. I've been incredibly lucky, especially these past four years. Yeah. You've done so much crazy stuff. I, I wanted to talk to you about that beautiful monsters thing. Cause that sure. was another thing that I wasn't, I didn't fully understand when I was reading about it. Uh, first of all, I had to look up what Baroque was, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is Old. like 17th century like style music. And, and yeah. So, so and but, these musicians won't use, some of them won't use instruments that aren't from that era. And they certainly oh, crazy. Yeah. Like Olivier from the Ottawa Baroque consort. They're called a consort. Like you're consorting with them. Weird. So yeah. Oh man, like when we were starting rehearsals, I would tell like my wife, I'd be like, you know, I have to go uh, consort like with the Baroque orchestra. Like, what are you talking about? Like, who yeah. are you? I thought I was going to have to like change all my friends and stuff. So these, these guys are like the ultra nerds of the classical music world, the Baroque folks. Okay, interesting. Do they wear so, like the powdered wigs and shit? <laughs> yeah, it goes flying. <laughs> so wait, they were playing music while you're storytelling though. So they're just kind of like yeah. adding oomph to what you're saying. Some oomph. And then they would play full pieces, which okay. is sort of their bag. And they do like two or three concerts a year. And at the time, and the whole point was that the national gallery had their own in-house exhibition called beautiful monsters. And it's these monster paintings, engravings, sketches from Ooh. that time period. Uh, the devil and like these Demons grotesque and scenes yeah. and yeah, like I went to the opening and I tried to like snap a whole bunch of pictures 
Uh, and I put them sort of out as Instagram stories because you have to like really look in and it's like, you know, like a demon eating a baby and you're like, whoa, like yeah. it's so, it's some messed up stuff. And so that was the genesis of the show. So the group, the musicians found me at another storytelling night and worked with the gallery, which took a lot of time and effort because there's such a big, you know, like institution and things move slowly. Um, but in the end, it was insane so yeah like the paintings were projected on the thing and it was sold out and the orchestra's killing it and i come out and i'm crazy that's so awesome yeah i, I love so that unique, you're, you're not yeah. just a comic but you're also like this storyteller guy who no oh, thanks man and um you seem to have an affinity for like the spooky stuff too it's yeah. um, you know because you also did david brennan ghosts you last halloween yeah, yeah. so I, that's three things now i'm thinking yeah you like the that's my movie. trilogy and i'm done now i'm good i'm gonna go uh do something else i don't know when you're talking uh, about demon paintings, though, uh, I, it yeah. always makes me think of there were some of these paintings where they would draw the or paint rather the the lady on someone's chest, that mm -hmm. um, like the sleep paralysis thing. I always thought mm -hmm. that sounds terrifying, and some people still suffer. Like that's a thing people suffer from. I can't even imagine waking up and and you can't move, and and some people hallucinate that there's something on top of them. Like good mm -hmm. lord, I've seen. I think I, I think I've seen similar um, sketches or etchings. Yeah it's terrifying stuff well because back then they believed that oh yeah you, were, you know you had some evil entity torturing you yeah. at night but now they know medically that it's just something your brain is doing to compensate for the this immense feeling of yeah. like i can't move your brain's like well that doesn't make sense so yeah. when you're half asleep in a sort of dream state i guess you just you know mm -hmm. create this imaginary monster which and again it, it sounds terrifying yeah. <laughs> no it is and the same thing so for my show i did a show for the auto storytellers in october I ended up being a live stream supposed okay. to be live COVID stuff, be flexible. It's fine. Turned out great. Uh, so it was ghost stories. I did sleepy hollow. Like I adapted that for myself and I did the monkey's paw and oh, then nice. a couple, a couple of like ones that I wrote and a piece from exhumed and, and that was the same thing of like, okay, so I love ghost stories. Obviously like a lot of people do it's we're obsessed with them, but what is, why like what is the psychological thing and so i start doing research and that's sort of, i don't know i think I mean, it's I good like that you have stuff like watching master chef too but like yeah I think it's good. <laughs> but i, I also think it's do great that you have a comedic <laughs> you have comedic sensibilities and that must lend itself really well to the storytelling because i saw one um god where was it merrickville i think my parents um brought me there and we saw in this little tiny restaurant um, the food was great, but there was a guy doing a storytelling thing. And I think it was around Halloween as well. I know it wasn't you cause he was much older than you and uh -huh. it was so fucking boring. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was so dry. It was like someone just reading from a book to you. It was, it was the worst. Like I was asleep by the end of it. So I think that being a, a comic must really help you keep people engaged, you know? I, yeah. I, I mean, the material I, matters too, obviously maybe his shit wasn't as interesting yeah. as yours, but Hey, you know what? That's sort of the thing too. So the last show, the ghost you show was uh, supposed to be just live and then live and live streamed. And I, I try to really think about what moving that into a different medium means. Right. So for this show in my style is like, I'm a very physical performer and I, I act out all the characters and uh, some of it's big and grotesque and on purpose uh, or like something like Sleepy Hollow, like Ichabod Crane, right? Like even the way he's described is like, you know, like fucking, yeah, yeah. he's the lanky beanpole guy. 
I designed that show to be live. I want you sitting there because I want to be this big measured in this room on purpose. The minute you throw a camera up there, all of a sudden it's so over the top, right? It's so mm-hmm. big. It's, 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 we have to bring elements down. And I was really happy with how it turned out. Uh, this great guy, Al Connors, who does a bunch of streaming and comedy and improv in Ottawa was our guy. And he was awesome. But again, it was almost like sports. He didn't know my next move here to there, but he was going wide and he had these different options. Oh, awesome. It it became like a dance, like he trying to follow me, like following a golf ball or a home run shot or something. He did amazing. Uh, But again, this was all like experimental. Um, So yeah, I, if people like it, they come to the fringe and they're paying 12 bucks or 14 bucks for a show. Like I like to give a show, like it's not going to be me reading a book. It's going to be a little more something worth. I'm really concerned of wasting people's time, you know? I actually try to make things worthwhile. And if I've put a lot of work into this, there's a good chance you might respond to it. Um, and then well, the best thing I mean, is, you said you took two years to prepare for the yeah. uh, exhumed. So that shows that yeah. you're really dedicated to your craft. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. And, and the best thing is uh, after shows, people have a lot of questions, like they get really into the stories and they want to know more about the real life history. And that's, what I was so interested in that I started the whole fucking thing in the first yeah, place. Yeah. So it's so it's the You're best passing. feeling Yeah, where people want to know more. People have, I've received messages, people, I looked up that murder story and here's what I think happened. I'm like, sweet, like let's keep it going. I guess. I don't know. Man. Uh, well, I can, I can relate to that. I find the older I get, the more and more I love history. I, I always thought it was an interesting subject in school, but like definitely as an adult now, I like watch yeah. YouTube videos all the time, just trying to learn about, you know, whether it's ancient history or fairly recent 20th century history, it's all just, I don't know. I don't know why that happens when you get older, I guess, because you start to mm. feel like you're a part of history more. You, you have your own accomplishments and, uh, and your own mortality impending kind yeah. of, I guess, makes you realize how small we are, how, how short our lives are in the grand scheme of like human history, you know? Absolutely. And you know what, like say like your show, I know and you take a lot of time with it and you put, care into it which i i think shows and that's the kind of thing i appreciate but like let's not let ourselves off too easy like these episodes now like we're in a pandemic and stuff like even before that like these are this is like a historical record you've had some amazing guests you know you've had like strombo and and uh, john door and and you know all these other people like it's it's important right like let's collect this stuff or like these old headshots um at yuck yucks like these guys don't have podcasts like you know their stories a lot of them are lost they're lost yeah yeah and as a storyteller, you know, I don't like talk, like I'll leave other people to do workshops about the oral tradition and why stories are important. Like you can figure that out for yourself, but yeah, uh, you lose that stuff and you are losing something culture, culture wise, you know? I, I really think that's cool what you're saying about sort of no. archiving conversations and stuff, because um, when COVID first hit, I, I hadn't had a bunch of huge guests. I had Strombo on. I think DJ Noah was the last one I did. And then I took a couple months to just deal with COVID. And the first person that I had on after that, which seemed like it was partially like necessity because I, I didn't think people would want to come do an interview because everyone was freaked out. But my dad was already my sound guy. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to interview my dad. And it ended up, I think it's still the longest episode I've ever done. It was like two hours and 21 minutes or something like that. But it's amazing. Um, since then I've thought about, yeah, just how cool that is for like my kids and stuff. When my dad passes away, you know, 30, 40 years from now, even for myself yeah. to rewatch just this really nice moment of us having a great conversation together, you know? So um, I love that, man. That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. And cherish that and back that up on multiple hard, dri- hard drives. Just yeah, Dude, the only thing it. I wish is that I was yeah. better at like the uh, 
social media and, and getting sponsors and all the stuff that uh, I could like, I don't care about making a bunch of money off the show, but it, cause I make none right now, um, <laughs> but it would be nice to make enough just so that it was like self-sustaining and that it would justify all the time and effort that I have to put into it. And that I have been putting into it that a lot of time it's like, sorry, honey, I got to edit a podcast for nothing other than yeah. satisfaction of doing it. And hopefully people enjoying it, you know? Yeah. And, and you get those crushing moments where you have like a big guest and then weeks later, you're like, Oh, 76 views. Glad I stressed so hard about that. Um, but who knows, right? Three years from now, a bunch of people might stumble on this shit and I might've moved on to something else by that point, but that's the cool thing about it. You know, you found 10, 12 year old imponderables videos or exactly. Or yeah, yeah. Perfect. Example. And so all we can do back then is try to make these as good as we can. Cause yeah. you don't know. Um, and you probably didn't think some dude was going to be laughing his ass off in 2021 or, or maybe you did, but um, I didn't think this would be, I didn't know this is a different format than what people were doing. Yeah. I don't think anyone was like recording Skype calls back then. I don't remember doing that. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Skype, Skype oh, has like fallen off the face of the earth since Zoom came oh, they fucked I was up, man. Zoom fucked them hard. They fucked up. It's weird. Yeah. What did they do? Why did they, uh, like, why was Zoom able to swoop in? It was it just because it was the new one, I think. Maybe people were just like, oh, Zoom, it just became hashtag Zoom. It just got around, you know, infected the, the, I don't know how, but it happened so fast, eh? Yeah. Like, or then, you know, people like, do you do Zoom shows? And you're like, what's that? <laughs> yeah. And now everybody knows Zoom and it's all anyone uses. And Skype is, their stocks must be plummeting. <laughs> Not even if you told me in October or even early November, if you said, hey, Dave, like in December, you're going to do a bunch of like corporate Zoom shows and that's going to like kind of occupy you. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. okay. But it happened and it happened that quickly. I think that's like a great thing. And I love this proliferation of online podcasts and shows. And because I, again, I, I really love capturing, I think everything like this should be captured. Yeah. If people have anything interesting to say, but I also worry about uh, how fast we are to do things like say, I'm going to do a digital theater show like online. And just because we have to do something, it has to be rushed out and, and not really thought through or, you know, yeah like is it theater if it's like this like is it i don't know people have different opinions about that yeah it's a weird shift so much has changed weird. so fast that it's so fast yeah and then half the time you know like my experience has been like half the time by the time people get themselves organized or like we're going to do an online festival like either there's a new restriction lift or like now the warm weather's here you know like people want to be outside like it's I understand we all want uh, a share of the attention economy that is out there, like people's attention and like, oh, why can't more people watch my shows? And it's also like people are busy lives. And like, yeah. I guess all I try to care for is like if people, if I ask for people's attention, I'm delivering something of quality that I've put time and effort. Well, into. and that's when it's easy to get frustrated uh, if your right. stuff isn't getting the kind of views that you want. And then you see stuff with like 3 million views and it's utter garbage. That's hard for me to comprehend. And sometimes I go, okay, well maybe it's just cause I'm getting old and I'm not with it anymore or whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but sometimes I go, no, this is just shit. This is just stupid. Like it's, it's not got anything of substance, but then you wonder about, you know, do people pay to boost their posts? And is that really, yep what you got to do real? to survive in the new uh, digital climate or whatever. I don't know. It's frustrating. And, but if that, yeah. And if that does it for you, if you want to be like the number one or top 10 TikTok people in the world, God bless you. Like go for it. Work as hard as you can at that. Um, I just think you can't do it all. 
you can't do it all. And, and for me, it's a very simple choice is like, I am kind of old school. Like I'm a theater person, I'm a live performer and yeah, like I'm very interested in like where things are going and trying to adapt my stuff. And, uh, my natural thing has been like, if I'm going to make a video as good as I can, I usually like it to accompany like a show, like it's like a promo, it's a commercial for the show. Yeah. Um, but you know, everyone's got to figure out what to do, but, uh, the older yeah. you get, the more time is like the greatest currency I find. <laughs> what so well, put, man, do you have exactly. kids or no, no, no kids. Okay. Well, no. there you go. That's another, yeah. I have three kids. So, um, that's definitely a factor in my life. Huge. I feel like having kids just, half your free time gone. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to be a good parent, at least you could be a vacant parent. Who's just like, you know, hot dogs are in the the camera. You hold the camera. You're on sound. Oh, that too. Yeah. Daddy's making his show. Well, that's actually kind of cool. I think if you did that, at least you're you're incorporating it. My my son probably would love to be involved in this stuff. The only reason I haven't involved him in my show is just because it's, it's completely uncensored. And depending on the guest, we may get a little blue, like, like when Darren <laughs> Frost came on my show, <laughs> all of my kids happened to be here that day. And they're all like, okay, we're just going to watch a movie like right above us. And he's just screaming like cunt every five seconds. And uh, luckily they didn't even hear any of it, but uh, yeah, I remember thinking that was hilarious. It was, you know, I like haven't seen Darren in a number of years. It's good to know he hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, I had never met him. Uh, I had seen some of his stuff online, but he was a really cool dude, actually. He had a lot of great insights about uh, censorship and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. 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 He's seen it all. He's he's lived through different trends and, and, and whatnot. You, I, I've talked about this before, but have you seen yeah. a video of him where some audience member hucked like a, like a whiskey tumbler at him? Yeah, I think I saw I that a long right time ago. Chest. Oh, yeah. That's a awful video to watch. What oh, my the God. fuck? What are well, people thinking? It's because he he made some comment about the oh. guys fucking the guy's mom or something, but it was because they were heckling the whole show and he finally had enough, you know, they were egging him on, egging him on. And then it turned out the dude's mom was dead. So he, Oh, so he threw a fucking like, glass like at his had Any way of knowing that. So no, if it comes down to that, the whole point is lost. eh? Yeah. Or exactly. like the one where the guy's playing guitar and he smacks his guitar over that guy's head in the front row. You ever seen that one? No. Uh, he's like, and then he goes, the audience goes, Oh my God. Like, and he goes, he, well, he was provoking me. And the audience is like, no, he wasn't. Oh, and the guy's just got nothing. He smacked yeah, the guy he, in the head with his guitar. Like, um, who was the guy, the wrestler, the Elvis guy, honky tonk man. Yeah. Honky tonk man. That is. He used to hit people with his guitar and it would fly. Like, really? busted in pieces. Yeah. This guy cranks him. Right. Well, watch that one. That's good. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh man, that's so crazy. My, uh, my favorite couple that I saw at a show during COVID, um, they were so drunk. This is absolute not Ottawa. They were so drunk that they were like chirping and making noise. I think I was just a guest spot that night. And just before the headliner came on, they got like ejected, like the staff had had enough and they like were getting carried out and they were both like in their fifties, like this couple. And, they both like had a look on their face. They were both like, yeah, like, oh, it's so good to get back to normal, like causing shit at a show and getting drunk on a Wednesday. I'm just thinking like, what did you tell people the next day? Like you went to a comedy show? Like, yeah, I got drunk, got kicked out before the headliner. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. I've never understood heckling at all. I really, it really made it. me laugh. People yeah. That come to a show looking for conflict is just beyond me. And it's no. so disrespectful to the performer. I don't know. It's obviously usually alcohol. that's the inciting factor, but 
Good Lord. It gets them. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been heckled, mind you, but I've gone to lots of shows and felt for the person on stage. Like, oh, you shouldn't have to deal with this. It's insane. It's like, where else does that even happen? Like a confrontation like that. That's like sometimes like a battle of the wits, but yeah. sometimes it just quickly degrades into. Well, the I worst is uh, <laughs> I almost have, well, not more respect, but hecklers, at least it can, it can sometimes, like you said, have an interesting back and forth if the person mm -hmm. on stage handles it well. What I can't stand is the people who just go to a comedy show and they're just like talking to the person next to them or on their phone or that kind of shit. Like right uh, at least that heckler is sort of engaged in that he's mm -hmm. clearly paying enough attention to want to yell something at this person on stage. Not that yeah. that's good, but you know, compared to the, it's people a lost just, art. Yeah. Hecklers these days need to up their game. Like where's the, the witty repartee. Yeah. Now they just throw things at you or. <laughs> yeah, but that's annoying too. Like when yeah, someone no, yells something from the audience and they, they think that they're the comedian. Oh uh, yeah. Some people go to comedy shows and they're like, I've always been the funny one in the class or whatever. And they've got this. A, yeah. And then they just kind of think it's my moment too. And I don't know. That's always it. Selfish. One time we were the, the, the imponderables, we were doing a show for like Algoma college or something. It was in a bar and it was cheap beer night for some reason and they <laughs> threw they weren't even having it like we even did like three sketches i think and they threw chicken wings at us and like like food and shit Good it Lord. was fucking mayhem and then we ended up it was at the winter time and we ended up like doing this thing john thought of called strip to win and so he challenged like anyone like i'll take off an article of clothing then you have to and you'll see who's who can win like who's the bravest and so this woman this young woman volunteered and we were like whoa this is gonna be weird and like John took off his shirt and she took off his shirt. I think she's in her bra or something. And then John took off his pants and he was in his underwear. And then she goes to take off her pants and she was wearing long johns because it was so cold out. And those, so she won and then everyone was like, woo! That's hilarious. It was insane. Um, but that's at least a fun audience. It's at least a memory, eh? Yeah. yeah. Man. Um, well, that's one thing I wanted to ask you is if you had, maybe this is a, probably a loaded question, but if you had a, a career highlight so far that you mm -hmm. consider like your favorite moment or accomplishment out of everything you've done you know a, a big ask i guess but. it's a big ask i've definitely mentioned a few of them the fringe show for sure um like just for laughs with the guys like it really if you do something long enough you just try to appreciate the good ones and you hope you get a few you know yeah. um but man do you ever like look back and think of the ones that didn't work out at the time that might not have been good if they did. Um, hard to say. Like, like that story, we're getting chicken wings thrown at us. Obviously, at the time, we were probably pretty horrified. Yeah. But that's like, I love thinking about that now. Yeah, that's a good story um, to tell. Eric reminded me, I was talking to him the other week, reminded me of one. It was a ski lodge in Collingwood, and they set up the stage by the window. It was nighttime, and all these audience had been skiing and drinking all day, and they were so shitty, and like they weren't into it. Cause we're also doing like, we're not doing like stand up. I couldn't be just be like, Hey, you fat fuck. Like we're doing sketch. <laughs> like, so we're trying to do scenes and it's not going well. It's not going well. And then all of a sudden we start hearing this, like, like rumbling. And then the lights hit and the fucking ski combine was behind us. Like, cause the stage and then the window and it was started grooming the hill, like in the middle of the show. And then it left. And then we were like, all right, keep going. Uh, started coming back <laughs> on the other side it went so bad we laughed all night long we still got paid and then you go home and like you know it was like us like now we're in 20 something and 
kind of like a band and it's kind of you guys against the world and well, it's not like that was your fault either, at least. It no, was, nothing you, know, you can do. It, but yeah. I was like, the ski combine comes at 8.30. You guys weren't doing your big closer, were you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so, that sucks. Shit but, like yeah, that. I see what yeah. you're saying. Like, at the time, it's horrible. But looking back, it's like kind of a fond memory it's now. so funny. I'm just lucky to still be doing this. And to the point where I went back to stand up like hardcore four years ago, got to Ottawa, worked my way up open mics trying to get on at absolute trying to get on at yuck yucks they okay they see me they like me they think i can host i'm hosting i'm featuring going to the comedy nest like all of these things that okay yeah i've had some highlights in this other part of my life but i'm building this back up like solo from nothing like literally nothing i was in hamilton i lost my job like the station fired everyone um i had a marriage that fell apart uh my brother had a heart attack and died uh, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I was like this crazy. I was, I was an alcoholic and I had nothing. And so I built it all back up. That's uh, amazing. I have uh, a beautiful wife now and we moved here initially for her school and her work. So Ottawa can became this like second chance yeah, to yeah. get it all back together. So, button, yeah. so for me, it's hard to qualify all these things like, yeah, just for laughs is great with the troop and stuff. And it was amazing to be able to get back to that kind of recording with them. But man, doing my first weekend spot at Yucks or Abs meant as much to me the past couple of years as it anything else because I had nothing. I was done. I was toast. And, well, and you're doing it all by yourself too. So you're doing it by yourself. Yeah. You know, I'm four years sober and it's been better and better every year. because uh, you do think about how much time you have left. Yeah. And if you're gonna put some work and stuff, you want it to be at least good. I don't have time to be shitty. I try to be good now. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like you can definitely accomplish a lot more when you're not getting high and drunk and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's because I'm not. No, it's someone, true. I've never signed up for, you know, the sober life completely. I do still indulge. No. Um, and weed to me is the one that would be harder to quit right. or to cut out of my life. It's just been something since I was like 13, 14, which I shouldn't have started that young. But, yeah. um, you know, it's I, I've tried and, and I feel like, I don't know. It just uh, keeps me feeling on, on the right level, you know, but drinking wow. is definitely much more destructive to uh, productivity for sure. Cause even hangovers now in my thirties and 35, <laughs> like, Oh man, like the whole next day is a write-off. It's just not worth it. You know, my, so my fiance bad. and I will drink, but more and more often now we're just like, eh, I want to, I want to work out the next day. I don't want to, yep. you know, feel like shit. So Everything in moderation, I suppose, but uh, and everyone's got their deal with themselves, right? Whether yeah. it's the substance or an addiction or, or where they put their time. Yeah. Um, hopefully if you are getting carried away or in a zone where you're doing more harm, then hopefully you have people around you that can help. Um, I've, I've gotten to the point now. I think I've had words with a few different people who are maybe struggling. Mm. It's not like I like put myself out there. It's like, Hey, if anyone needs help, but um, it feels interesting and cool to kind of be on that side of it now because God knows like when you need help, hopefully you have a circle. Speaking of productivity though, I find um, the biggest hurdle that a lot of people maybe don't realize or, or it's just a hard thing to get on top of sometimes is just starting, like just, mm -hmm. just doing the shit. Like it's, it's, you know, I always have plans for, I want to do this or that, but I find I, I, come up with reasons why I need to procrastinate and not really get going. But then every time I actually get into it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I like doing this. Like, why was I making this seem like a chore when really it's something that I, I should be driving like pleasure from even, um, 
Like I, I still paint miniatures because I've always been huge into board games and stuff. And there, were, there was a while 10 years ago. I mean, I still do it sometimes where I was making money tax free, baby. Um, just, you know, painting miniatures for people and selling them and shipping them all over the world and stuff. And uh, I don't do it nearly as much as I used to, because again, in my mind, I've, I've relegated it to being like this chore, this thing I got to cross off a list. But every time I get the paints out and start getting into it again, I'm like, yes, this is fun. And I'm good at this, you know? So I think a lot of people really just need to, need to take that first step and remind themselves that like, yeah, doing stuff is fun. <laughs> like that's amazing. Stop dreaming and start doing, you know, it sounds like a Tony Robbins quote or something. No, <laughs> it's, it's totally true. We're so funny. Even with things like our passions, they become work and you go, Oh, I don't want to do that. Like as you know, I'm, I, I'm kind of funny too. Like, like, you know, I love booking the gig. That's so much fun. Put it on the calendar and you yeah, feel yeah. good. And then you go, Oh my God, I got to go do that. <laughs> yeah. I get anxiety for like a it's week. So much. Like it yeah. never goes away. I still get it. Uh, I, hosting takes a lot out of me like the day of like my wife is like like just go like go to the club early get out of here like yeah i just you can't talk to me i'm so concerned about being in the right frame of mind and trying to be uh mentally agile uh and 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 hosting like six nights in a row or five nights in a row or something that's i think it's i don't know i find it to be challenging just well you got to uh, keep it fresh every night for you keep it fresh and, yeah and and you know you fall in love with one audience one night and you gotta start from zero the next night like with a whole like it's like a and then you're doing two shows in one night and like eight o'clock is like, you're on a great date. And then you're on like another date at 1030 with like a different person. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, this is so weird. And then you try to be that funny guy from the first date. And then they're like, you know, like different audiences. Yeah. Yeah. Like doing spots on two shows in one night is an amazing experience always because it's just so trippy and, and fun to see like what works t- both times, what works one time hosting, it's so fucked. I think you have to shut a certain part off of your brain and just be like, do it, but just roll. With it's it. so interesting. Like I love hosting in terms of like, I love to get to know the crowd and, and the storylines and, and stuff like that. But uh, two in one night, it's so weird. You got to take a walk. That's the, that's the secret I learned. Yeah. It must be bizarre to just kind of reset. Take a walk between the shows. Yeah. Or like uh, the same, yeah. like a couple summers ago, I did the, the finals at the absolute contest to the prove you're a comic. Yeah. Uh, with a hilarious group uh but like get out of the club and get some air because then you've just done a show and the crowd comes in for the second show and you're like already at like 80 kilometers an hour and they're like whoa whoa we just yeah, got yeah. here like it's it's funny hey eh? the That's energy so cool. yeah mm-hmm. i never thought of that so get outside try to reset that my, show's done forever on my to the next favorite one. uh thing well one of my favorite things with comedy is when you get on fairly early in the night like if you're doing a competition or whatever and then you get to just kick back and like enjoy the show after and especially if you did well you get yeah. to kind of just feel a little bit like eh, pat yourself on the back and other people are like good job it's like the best feeling ever uh, and you're you're literally enjoying like a, a very pleasant chemical wash at the yeah. at the time because you you've got the high and then you come off and you're like good and you know some people like to pair that with a few beers or whatever you do your thing but yeah, it's, and then, you know, there's the feature who's like, fucking shit, like yeah. at the back. And we've all like, you know, a lot of, I've been, I've done it where you're like, sweet, 14 comics on before me. Wow. Yeah. I don't mind getting the bullet. <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't mind if I get the bullet spot and I have to go up first because I just like to get it over with, which maybe is the wrong attitude because I do enjoy it in a sense, but there's a lot of like preemptive uh, anxiety yeah. and I, I like to just do it because I'm I spend so much time anticipating the doing it that I yeah. want to just do it, you know? 
And Bullet's so funny, and I've certainly done my share of Bullet. I, I was Bullet like at Yuck Yucks on Monday nights in Toronto for like almost two years straight or something. And I was probably a good choice because I am like an energetic kind of performer. I was very young. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say like for anyone going Bullet now, it, the audience sees so much on these nights, like a new talent showcase or something, that they won't even remember you or maybe number two and three. So yeah. if you're bullet, I was like, challenge yourself to do something so memorable that the audience remembers you from that long ago in the show. Yeah. Because that's the Smart badass way. thing is if you kill it in the bullet spot, then even though the other comics are like, wow, they might see you on the way out. You warmed the like, audience. Oh yeah. That guy. Oh, like if yeah. you're a bullet in a contest, you might as well just like do the set obviously, but you might as well just go home. Like you're not going to win. It's impossible. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty it's much not. impossible. I'm yeah. sure it's happened. It's happened, yeah. but I, yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> But uh, man, well, you know what? Like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure I went over almost all my questions. I was about to say, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> but, uh, I do want to ask what I've been asking everybody at the, for this season. I have a question at the end, um, which is if you could have dinner with someone that you've never mm. met uh, from any point in history, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a great question. I say someone you haven't met because I didn't want people being like, oh, my, okay. my grandma or, you, you know. I picked Bob Newhart. Mm. I got to see him hilarious. Uh, when I was a teenager. Actually, I w so there was a Yuck Yucks contest when I was a teenager. The clubs all did them, and then you'd send your representative to the finals in Toronto. Oh, nice. So I won the Hamilton contest when I was like 18. And part of my prize package was I got two tickets to go see Bob Newhart at Hamilton Place Theater. That's awesome. And a couple years before that, my dad had given me his cassette, uh, Button Down Mind. And... Uh, for anyone watching, Bob Newhart had this style all his own, and it's still the only person that does it. It's these sort of one-sided telephone monologues. So oh. he does the monologue like he plays the night watchman. It's his first night on the job. The night King Kong climbs the Empire State Building. <laughs> and so it's him calling his boss. Like, so this crazy, like this is the 60s. So it, I wouldn't say like influenced me. Like I don't do anything like that. But I was like, it blew my mind to what was possible in a live performance that's done in a nightclub. Like you can hear glasses on the tape, right? Like clinking and it yeah. sounds so cool. And then he went on to like two, obviously successful talk shows or sitcoms um, to like people know him and love him from elf. Right. He's like the head. Yeah. Elf. So I would pick Bob Newhart. If I could talk to him before he passes on to comedy heaven, that'd be cool. I pick him. That's a great answer, man. Yeah. yeah I, I'm trying he just to seems like such a gentleman, family man, uh, wise a jedi he's a jedi well it sounds like he did influence you in, in a lot of ways just yeah, realizing that. that well yeah. i mean because you're not yeah. just a straight stand-up you do these storytelling things and you do yep. the sketch troupe thing and you the the bill and sons was kind of like a tv show i know it was a web series but it very much felt like a tv show when you're watching yep. it um so yeah it sounds like he had a big impact on you maybe more than you thought i i i like people who i'm not i'm not like someone just does stand up and they're brilliant stand up. I love that too. I just, yeah. I think, you know, in my experience, you know, the imponderables was fun. We were a band, but we also had a leg in like show business in Canada, right? Like we got to do a lot of cool stuff. We did a thing with John wing who I get to perform with on this crack up thing. Yeah. Like a CBC pilot with him back in the day. I did a really, a non-successful pilot with Colin mockery as a solo, like a few years ago, He's like, so awesome, few years ago, like 15 years ago or something. Yeah. Um, you just kind of keep, doing this stuff because in Canada, if you actually want to try to make a living doing this, you have to act, you have to be able to write, you have to do stand up. Uh, 
you know, improv even, I don't know, anything. Multifaceted, to, yeah. Multifaceted. You don't have to, but the ones that are trying to like make a living or trying to have a life doing this uh, are, aren't, aren't one trick ponies. Well, I, I like when comedy, like you said, if you're a straight up stand up person, you can still be amazing. That's but great. I do like seeing people who think outside the box with comedy. Like, sure. um, I mean, even people like Carrot Top, like prop comedy. Sure. It, I love that shit. Some people hate it, but I think it's it's original and different. And musical comedy is something that I, I do mostly when I perform. Yeah. I usually do a song or something. But, you know, Flight of the Concords and people oh, yeah, like yeah. were a huge influence love on it. me. And then um, I love like us, like I went to see Derek Edwards. He came to Ottawa like two years ago okay. at Center Point Theater. And Derek, I think he's done some acting. Yeah. Um, but he's like a straight up stand up and that's what he does. And I think that's amazing. Like, yeah, some people are so great at it. I think he's a Jedi master as well. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it takes, it takes all kinds of stuff. And then you never know where you're going to lead. Like, okay, what's going to happen? You're the best stand up in the world. Now what? Well, they want you in movies, right? So can you act? What can you do? Yeah. Do you remember Mitch Hedberg? Some people that that doesn't go so well, but. Mitch Hedberg has that great joke where he talks about that pressure of being a stand-up and then this and that. And then he says, it's like, they're like, oh, you're a great chef. Can you farm? (laughs) That tells it all, eh? Does that tell it all? Yeah, well, he he was on that 70s show, I remember. He was like the hot dog uh, Mm -hmm. canteen guy or whatever. And he did a voice. He did a voice on another show too. I got to see him at Just for Laughs like oh, twice. Right. And I also saw him at Yuck Yucks at Young and Eglinton wow. when he first came. Two shows sold out. I can't believe they let us in like us scrubs. We stood against the wall and he had awesome. the bass player with him. The doom, 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 playing with him on the tiny stage. And he did the jokes to the music. Really? I've never yeah. seen him do that. Interesting. I think he did it. I think you can find it. I definitely think he like recorded himself or did the taping like that. That reminds that me of um, Dimitri Martin. Yep. I don't know that he always does it, but he would play this kind yep. of just open chords yep. in the background. And it, it does add just a nice that. element. Phil. Yeah. And it but, fits so well. And he's got the shades, man. It was so cool. It's so sad. I remember I was working at HMV. I worked at HMV in Toronto for a long time. And we would have, I, I would always be on IMDB. I remember when that flashed across that he died, that he overdosed. That was so sad. Yeah, that friggin' sucks, man. It was heroin, I, I guess, right? It was heroin, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was just for laughs in 2004. And on the same show as Jim Gaffigan, those two guys, Hedberg yeah. and Gaffigan, at, like Club show, Soda man. or something. Friggin' <sighs> heroin. I hate heroin so much. It killed so many you know? people. So many of my favorite musicians died from heroin. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> I don't know I why think, anyone ever thinks that's a good idea to, to fuck with. Uh, if you're, if you're putting that in your arm, you're on your way out already. Eh? Like, well, it's, I think a lot of people get this, uh, it has this mystic, uh, mystical, no. Yeah. Almost like a mystical nature about it that people think it will, um, you know, improve their creativity and, and open up some new part of their brain. Uh, cause I know like I'm, I've always been a huge fan of sublime. I don't know if you, do you know? Sublime? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Bradley Noel, he, he overdosed, um, in 96 from heroin as well. And he had, or people had said about him that the reason he started doing it a few years earlier was because people like Kurt Cobain were doing it and writing such amazing music that he just thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to wear this mask for a while, but I'll, I'll keep it under control. I'll just dabble in it. And as we all know, I don't think there's any dabbling in heroin. It pretty much consumes no. you. And, becomes- and then you've got like Lane Staley from Alice in Chains, who yep. did, I think he had to have part of his arm cut off or amputated because oh, really? he was so badly infected. Well, I think we're around the same age. Like how many lives do you think Requiem for a Dream saved? Yeah. Because it 
It's that Jared Leto. Uh, doesn't he like? He wakes up and his arms cut off because yeah. he. That was fucked up. That whole movie then, was insane. And then the eyeballs, like the pupils pop, and and Marlon Wayans gets thrown in some like super racist prison where he's basically oh, yeah. gonna be locked up for yeah. like weed or something. Oh no, they shot a guy. That's what it was. Um, yeah, that movie's fucked. And then there's obviously the the sex thing with Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's like one of those movies that if you haven't seen it, you have to freaking see it. But then you're like, I'm yeah. good for the next rest of my life to never really yeah. watch this again. It's not like, like, let's get a pizza and watch movie. It's more like, God, take some time with this. But yeah, I think that came out at a good time for my, my sort of class, like my group of people who were like, probably not a good idea to get into hard drugs. Yeah, quite the deterrent if you watch that film, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that was early 2000s, I want to say that movie came out. Sounds about right. I don't know if we are the same. I'm 35. How old are you? 39. Okay, yeah, so we're pretty yeah. close. Yeah. I always wonder if I'm a millennial or not. I seem to I be on know. the cusp. From what I've heard, I think it's 85, which is when I'm born. Maybe it's 83. I can't remember. That's supposed to be the cutoff. Or I feel 85 years old, if that helps anything. <laughs> I do. I've always related to Gen Xers more, I guess, musically sure. and, and and what they're into, I guess. But millennial yeah. just sounds like a younger generation to me. But I guess I've heard Xenial for me. It's like the specific mini generation that came of age just before the internet, because that was kind of my experience. I guess I fall into that. Like, I mean, probably the internet blew up. I want to say in the late nineties. Like, yeah. I, I remember Windows 95, but it was pretty shit. It was not the internet we have today, you know? And, like, people had computer games, but they were all pretty lame. Like, How am I supposed to start like, a podcast with this? Yeah. It doesn't even do nothing. <laughs> the computers back then were more of, like, a... I felt like it was more of a hobby type thing. Like, yeah, I'm going to go on the computer for a bit, but it wasn't, like, this massively no. incorporated part of our life that you can't live without you know no it wasn't like yet a school requirement like for like my age I, it became one i think pretty quickly or like in the middle of like when i was in high school so now i feel like kind of in that sweet spot where it like i'm not so old before the internet that i don't know how to do anything with a computer but yeah, also exactly. i got those years maybe away from screens and i got to develop some other interests. I feel pretty fortunate about that. Yeah, same here. Some yeah. of my like really happy childhood memories. It was just doing stuff that had nothing to do with screens, you know, which I, yeah. you can still do stuff like that, but it seems like everyone's just pulled into the screens and how could you not be, you know? And there's amazing creativity that comes out of that. And I think, yes, you know, there's positive people for sure. shooting movies on TikTok. I think that's all great and it's a tool, but... Um, but something is yeah, lost some, from that something era. Lost. Yeah. I'm so concerned about like sounding old and stuff though. So I even like when I say stuff like that, I'm like, ah, uh, anyone listening to this is like, then go away. And I'm like, yep, you got it. <laughs> but you know, I think it's, it's whatever you have. Everything changed so fast. Like I, I, yeah. I talked about this with Kyle that I don't think there's a more crazy decade of like mm -hmm. digital advancement than there was from 95 to 2005, like completely different worlds. And I yeah. know there's other big impactful decades, but I can't think of, a 10 year no. period. That's more no. insane transformation than that. That's a know? great point. Windows 95 to YouTube, like, holy shit. Exactly. Like, and like iPods and shit coming out and iPads were like 2006, I think, or something. So if you'd yeah. spread that progress over two decades for me, I've been fine with that pace. Like, yeah, I think I've been okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Depending where you were in your age, when all that started to happen, uh, it had a big impact. Like we, uh, you, it sounds like maybe you're, you're a bit older, but I always felt like 
I hit puberty at the same age, at the same time that the internet hit puberty. Right. You know? Right. And it sort right. of blossomed into what the adult version of really adult version as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, it, it, sure. it's full form of what the internet is now, you know, but yeah. I suppose it'll keep growing and changing too. And everything we consider so modern now is going to look archaic in probably Absolutely. only 10 years or Absolutely. five years. Ugh. Yeah. The fact that we have virtual reality now and like my dad's like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to give you guys uh, my old virtual reality. I'm upgrading to a newer one. And the fact that, that it's like that much, I'm getting a hand me down virtual reality. You know, yeah. if, if I had told myself that in the nineties, it would have blown my mind. I'm so fascinated with that. I was joking or asking my wife, like, say like you get out of a zoom show, but like, how far are we from like, so you finish a zoom show, like, like say I do like a corporate zoom show and you're like, okay, bye click. And then like, you don't have to talk to anyone after that. It's over. You're just like, now you're in your room. Like, yeah, like weird. when we'll hang up today. Yeah. Um, and you go, Oh, that was that. But like, imagine like just a little bit more VR where it's like, vroom, like you're in the club and you're killing it. But like your wife walks in and then you're just like, you know, got your fucking plug in thing. <laughs> and then you're like, Oh, and the show ends and you're like, I'm just going to hang out with some people in VR for a bit, honey. Like, yeah, that's where, cool. that's the shit I'm interested in. It's like all of a sudden, like, wait, like come back to the real world. And it's like, no, I like it in here. Yeah. Imagine like some people be like, Hey, great show. And you're like, but it's still all VR. You're like, yeah, thanks. To be fair, that'd be cool during COVID right now. It'd be awesome if there was like a virtual green room you could hang out with the other comics. But people and... would just start having, all people care about is how do we have sex with this thing? That's true. What, always yeah, a, that, yeah. that takes up so much of the attention. So true. <laughs> Anytime a new technology comes out, porn yeah. industry is like, how can we get in there? And <laughs> How do we get in there? Yeah. <laughs> have you Maybe. done a, a virtual reality stuff a lot or no? No. I mean, I did a show like like two years ago where they hot like the place hired and the guy came in with the big machine and he, oh i, I didn't mean like, even in in relation to show oh. i just meant like have you fucked around with virtual reality uh no. You know? no no you never no no dude the coolest thing i tried at my dad's like he's got some games and all that too but he showed me it's like google earth essentially and you just tell it where you want it to take you and then you're standing in wow. like that's in rio de janeiro or like wherever right and, it's mind blowing. I know you don't uh, indulge anymore, but like I just got high and just oh, yeah, went, yeah. went to like the pyramids and like, and just that you can look all around. It's so, so weird. that's it. So we're there. And so then yeah. like, you know, your fiance comes in like Oliver, like lunch and you're like, hold, no. on, hold on. I'm just exploring this temple or whatever. Yeah. I'm really interested in that kind of stuff. I love that tech, the influence it has on our little human ways. I but that's cool. So, so we're there in VR land then you can yeah. go to like virtual comedy club and kill and then pick up somebody from the show and have virtual sex with them and <laughs> get paid in Bitcoin or NFT or something. <laughs> well, virtual sex too. I wonder if they'll make like a, um, you know, cause if you want, if they want it to feel real, obviously like the visual right. they can pull off, but you're going to have to have some sort of like a, like a sex doll <laughs> or something. I'm sure they already have this. This must, must already exist. Just picking it up curbside at Best Buy. Hey, like you got my fucking, my cock adjuster. Like <laughs> what's the battery life on this one? Cause the other one ran out. Oh man. I bet there, there's there. gotta be. We're like, there. Someone's doing this right now. Electronic sex dolls now, probably out there already. Now you got to find someone who does this and get them on your show. <laughs> I'll watch that. I want to know more about this. Yeah, get all the inside scoop. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, well let me dude. show you how I have sex virtually right now, Oliver. <laughs> 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 You're like, 
No, yeah, that's a little too graphic, please. Uh, uh, your part, <laughs> man, yo, it's been a blast chatting with you. And thank uh, you so much. That was so much you. fun. I yeah, totally lost track time, of time. Man. I hope to lost see you out time. and about in the future when, uh, you know, things are a little more normal. COVID yeah. now. You as well, man. I want to see you perform. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of it online. I've only ever put up a few videos. I'll send you one yeah. song I did, though, that uh, I wrote. Please up, do. I wrote a song about furries and. Uh, okay. And like. Oh. And why or what if there was like a, a guy who, you know, like, yes, it's a weird kink. But other than that, there's got to be some of them that are still, you know, living normal lives. They want to be productive yeah. members of society. So the, it's called Romantic Furry. And it's all about somebody who, yeah, that's their thing. But other than that, they're, yeah, anyways. I'll, I'll I like that. Yeah, Please man. do. It, it sounds like a, a deeper dive into this world. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> right on, dude. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Have a great day. Take man. care. You too. Bye. Bye.